Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked to Jesse Cole. He's the owner of the Savannah Bananas baseball team and Fans First Entertainment. And he's the author of Find Your Yellow Tux, How to Be Successful by Standing Out. Okay, let's get real for a minute. This is a conversation that I had been looking forward to for a long time. I've listened to Jesse in interviews on podcasts from Pat Flynn to Donald Miller. His enthusiasm is infectious. And his ability to look at something in a completely different way for most people is just awe-inspiring. I realized that all this talk about standing out can seem over the top to some people. I mean, Jesse really does wear a yellow tux. He wore it for our conversation. You'll have to watch the video. But I hope, if nothing else, that what you take away from this conversation is that standing out isn't about a yellow tux at all. It's about being so authentically you that you can't help but be different from everyone else. For this episode, our backstage guests are Ithaca, New York, architect, translator, spec writer, and QAQC hawk, 
and the owner of Opus 2 MBE, Christian Nielsen Palacios, and architect, podcast host, and educator Chris Novelli. He's the owner of Hopedale, Massachusetts-based N3 Architecture. I'm curious to hear their takeaways, so let's go backstage and let's listen in as my co-hosts Catherine McPhail, Christian, Chris, and I all talk about our conversation with Jesse Cole. Thank you to NCARB for their support of this podcast episode. Visit NCARB.org slash AOP and contribute to the Analysis of Practice survey today. This may have been one of my favorite all-time Context and Clarity Live conversations, but as always, we wanted to know what our audience thought about the conversation. So exciting. I can barely wait to talk about this. So I have had a lot of fun on a, a lot of our shows that we've done, but this one, I don't know what, the first time I ever heard him, I was all jazzed up about it. And so talking to him in person, I'm predictably um, excited. As you were saying that, it reminded me that I can, I can play these things up in my head, right? Where there have been, there are some bucket list type guests that uh, are on our list or have been on our list. And I always worry that I've, I've got this built up into my head, right? And is this person going to live up to what's in my head or the, is it going to be a letdown or, um, mm -hmm. you know, how's that going to go? And, uh, I'm with you. This was definitely not a letdown for me. Um, Jesse brought just an incredible level of energy. And of course he wore the yellow tux, which was, which was fun. Um, but, uh, I, like I said, I enjoyed it. It's one of my favorites. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's, uh, definitely, uh, repeat guest material. You know, like we've only had one person come twice to context and clarity, as far as I know, and I would love to have him back. I, I still had like eight or 10 more questions that I couldn't ask. And uh, I, I just enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I agree with Christian. Repeat guest worthy. I think we only scratched the surface with, with Jesse. And even that, there's so much to take away from it. So much to take away from our conversations throughout the week. And one of the things that I wrote really big is to take action, right? Just to, on some of the things that he's he's talking about or even just one, um, try something different, experiment and, and go have some fun. Um, so I, I agree. I think this is, this has been one of my favorite weeks of, of topics and I'm with you, Christian. I, I, I could have done that for two or three hours. Well, and when he was talking about the meaning of the word entertain, which was to like provide enjoyment that's uh, one of the, the way I phrase that question, you know, have you hired an architect and did they provide you with enjoyment? And uh, he didn't answer. So at least the, the second part of the question. Expanding upon that um, is the concept of, of figuring out what people don't like about working with architects and what are those friction points and how can we do things differently? How can we make it a little bit more fun or maybe, uh, a little bit more enjoyable. It doesn't have to be over the top, right? I think that was a, we spent a lot of time this week talking about, do we have to be over the top? Do we have to wear yellow text? I think people who are saying that are kind of missing the point 
Um, you don't have to be over the top. It's mm -hmm. just about trying different things. Yeah, I love what he said about if you're shy and you don't want to stand out, you can stand out. You don't have to be over the top, but you could write um, birthday cards or thank you cards or just kind of be more caring. Standing out doesn't mean being over the top like I am. You can stand out by writing thank you notes. You can stand out by caring differently. You can stand out by listening carefully, responding creatively. In 2016, I started the thank you experiment. And I, I told myself I was going to write one thank you letter a day for the year. I bought 400 custom yellow uh, thank you letters. And I started writing to teachers, former teachers, coaches, entrepreneurs, authors, anyone who's in, in, in inspired me. It changed my life. Today, I've written thousands. I continue to write every day. And, um, you know, that can be for someone that doesn't want to stand out. They're going to get that letter. They're going to send it. And people save those letters. I've seen our team, our staff that I wrote four years ago. They still have them up on their wall. And so I think there's ways to find out, you know, who, who are you? You know, when you're at your best, I always ask this question, you know, they said, Jesse, how do you have so much energy? Well, I do what gives me energy. It's very simple. So I used, to, I used to have zero energy when I was doing operations at the ballpark and doing finances and sponsorship and all that stuff. Now I, I create, I share, and I grow. I've been thinking about, you know, I asked the, I asked the question about do we have to love the people that we work with, the people that we work for. Again, this, this all, in my mind, is related to this ideal client idea that I have. And I, I, I went back, I mentioned this, this guy, Pedro Adeo. And, um, you know, just, just as a, a point of reference, but one of the things that Pedro talks about in terms of it's, it's really in terms of finding the people and serving the people and Pedro's, Pedro's audience is all types, you know, it's entrepreneurs, it's, it's financial analysts, it's, you know, it's, he's got a very broad audience. So it's, but his question is, um, you know, what's, what's the, I forget the exact term he uses, but basically what's the group of people that you just love, that you just care so much about that you have to help them, that you have to figure out some way to help them, to solve their problems, to support them, whatever. And I, I don't, I don't know if that makes for for strange bedfellows, Pedro, um, and and Jesse, but I I think that that kind of fits together, you know, when Jesse's talking about creating this experience and and doing all these things, they're using different words, but I think they're headed to the same place, and that's that's why I ask is as an architect, you know, I fully get it, right? Especially you know the entree architect community, small firm architects. Being a small business owner is hard. Being a sole practitioner is hard. Um, you're wearing all the hats of the, the entrepreneur. It can be a real grind. You know, and you know, he, I'm sure we'll touch on this, but he, Jesse talked about doing the things that, that give you energy. But you're doing your invoicing. You're doing your proposals. You're, you're working on the design. You're doing construction. You're doing all the things that you have to do. I think it can be really, really hard. And I think we heard some of that in conversations this week. It can be hard to want to think about doing something more or different or um, unbelievable for clients when we get worn down like that, like you could. And so that's one of the, 
this is a long way around the barn to get there, but that's one of the reasons I wanted to ask that question is, do you have to, do you have to find the people that you just love working with so that all of these things feel like a natural, uh, natural outpouring of what you do? I guess that's where I was, where I was headed with that question. And that led into the love language and all that. Can't find them. Should you keep doing what you're doing? If you can't find them, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't like, you can't find people you love to work with. Well, I think too, he, he, he just says, you know, keep, I guess what you just said, Catherine, keep doing what you're doing and maybe the people will find you or he wasn't the first person to say this, but to be clear on who you don't want to work with. Right. And if you're clear on who you don't want to work mm-hmm. with, that helps you narrow down who you want to work with. Yeah. So how would we actually do that? Is it on our website? Like, I think Jeff, you mentioned once some area on the website where you could write, like, don't hire me. Like these are the people who shouldn't hire me, but where would you put that? Um, yeah, that's, that's one of the things I challenge a lot of my clients to do, or, or at least think about doing is you know, Jesse, Jesse's talking about mapping out the whole client experience. And for a lot of us that starts at a website. So when they land on your website, is there something that says, don't hire us if, or who we're not, or, you know, the, the opposite of what they expect, I guess, in Jesse's language is, is what I'm talking about. But um, I encourage a lot of people to put that on, on websites, what we're not, you know, and, and the top of that list is usually if you just need someone to, to draw up some plans. That's not us. I, I actually put that put something like that on my website uh, a couple months ago. I just recently took it down because I've had a couple of losses lately, right? Um, where I didn't get the projects. I'm like, I don't know if that's driving people away, too many people away. But I, I I basically put right right under the fold on the website. I said, um, if you're looking to do the bare minimum code minimum, I don't want to work with you. I think it's important to establish uh, those things too, and. Uh... I don't know how to do it in a way that doesn't seem uh, rude in the in your website or in your literature, but even with contracts, I think I've told you about a very bad experience that I had many years ago, and where I my contract was a handshake; it was verbal. But uh, after that bad experience, I decided I will always have a contract, and uh, it will have. Uh, few lines of what I'm doing and probably twice or three times as many lines saying what I am not doing so, so that the expectations are clear. So, well, yeah. That's, you know, everything that we've talked about this week really eventually comes back to expectations, right? What expectations are we setting? What expectations are we holding? What are we living up to? Um, that that's I don't think that can be overstated and probably in any business, but certainly not this business. Um, how how clear are those expectations is, is maybe the most important part of that. Yeah, and if the expectations are a base set of plans and you over deliver, you know, maybe with a 3D model or renderings or um, something along the lines of a, a video walkthrough, you know, that's, that's definitely setting you apart from those expectations. 
you said something along that those lines earlier this week, Chris, about, I don't think you used the word all-inclusive, but something, you know, including more things, right, more deliverables perhaps in, into into the, the process instead of um, charging for every different rendering, of this, you know, that feels like nickel and dime. And so what I do is I just take the services that I want to provide and I just include my time and I just provide them for them. And I, I don't tell them that it's an extra or, or anything. I just do it. I was inspired by that this week to just tell people that this is what I do for this, roughly this fee. And that's what mm -hmm. I'm going to do. And no, you can't take out this stuff that yeah. you don't want. Yeah. You, you can go talk to someone else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that just kind of reminds me of how you said experimenting constantly. I feel like I do that all the time with my proposals and my fee structure and I mean, I, I'm always talking about the client um, experience, and this week I feel like I got some pushback on that, like what you should be is a good architect and not, I mean, I guess we all just assume that we're good architects or we all want to be good architects, so I'm just wondering how do we take it a, just another step? Well, I'll play devil's advocate. What does that even mean? What does it even mean to be, uh, what does it mean to be a good architect? And is that your version or the client's version? Uh, yeah, I think that defining what's a good architect is difficult. Defining what's a good person is not that hard. And uh, we were, I thought, on the brink of discussing this when he was talking about the name of his company, which is uh, Fans First Entertainment. And uh, a follow-up to what we mentioned in Clubhouse this morning, that I am truly curious as to uh, how do you convert f followers into fans because you often see people who are bragging, oh, I have uh, 17,000 followers on Instagram. So what, you know, what, what does that mean? But the name of the game for us is creating fans. And the name of our company is Fans First Entertainment. Our mission is Fans First Entertain Always. Every decision we make, we ask ourselves, is it Fans First? I believe the future of business is not based on how many clients you have, not based on how many customers you have. It's based on how many fans you have. It's everything. So, you know, in my new upcoming book, Fans First, I share the five E's to create raving fans. And I think that fits with any organization as I've seen it work with numerous other organizations. But it's how we're a little small team out of Savannah, Georgia. And now from only selling two tickets, have sold out every single game. Our wait list just passed 13,000 for tickets. And now we're taking the show all over the world. And I've been told by my team every day, we sold out Daytona uh, Monday morning. We sold out Montgomery Tuesday. We sold out Columbus. We're about to sell out West Palm. And I never imagined we'd be selling out these cities with 10,000 people, but it's because we created fans. We didn't chase customers. And so I can go into any of those five E's or anything, but that's really been the framework is how do you create fans? Have conversations with your team that way. Not how do we bring in more revenue, more sales, more customers? How do you create fans? It's a different conversation and it gets different results. We all love having praise and being loved and having fans. But how do you transform those followers into fans? And for the majority of us uh, architects, most of your clients are going to be a, a one-time deal. So how do you create a fan from somebody who's only going to hire you once in their life, even if you provided fantastic service? But I think the idea is that they're supposed to talk about you afterward to their friends. Like it's supposed to be a, a thing that they enjoyed so much that they would recommend you to everybody they encounter who needs an architect. 
yeah, that that's an important part of the formula. But I want to go back to what you said, Christian, as well. You know, when someone says they have seventeen thousand followers, the the only appropriate follow up question to that is exactly what you said. So what? Right? What what is what's the value of seventeen thousand followers? What's that doing for you? Um, yeah, there, there's a there's a big difference between between a follower and a fan, and I'm I'm I, I said this at some point. I'm looking forward um, to Jesse's next book, which comes out on on uh, May 17th, because it is about um, creating fans. So, um, and as Catherine said, I think we were back. I think we were not live at the time. It, it's it sounds like a similar concept to Pat Flynn's super fans. Um, and, and I'm all for it. We, I think we need more books. Fanocracy by David Meerman Scott is another great book about creating fans. You know, put that in, in quotes. We don't, we don't typically think in those terms. You know, we think about clients or, you know, whatever. But, um, but I, I think we need to, I need, I think we need more conversations about what that means. Again, I, you know, what I, what I said in the conversation with Jesse is, the, I, I don't know how many firms I've talked to over the course of, of my career, or at least being out on my own. It's quite a few. And almost every firm says that a huge percentage of their work comes from repeat clients and or referrals. Right? And for a lot of residential architects, it's not repeat clients, It's but it's the referrals piece of it. Um, others have lots of repeat clients, you know, just depends probably on, on project type and so on. But that number, I've never heard anybody say less than 60%. And I did have one firm tell me 97% of their work comes from repeat clients and or referrals. And that's huge. That is, that is just a massive number. And that, that's not unique to architects. It's not unique to professional services in any way. It's the pizza shop. It's the bookstore. It's all of those things. But if I, I think, you know, as, as Jesse says, if, if, we can, if we can have fans, whether they come back, right, whether we do actually have repeat clients, or they're just raving about us, you know, as Catherine said a minute ago, you know, they're telling other people about us. That's energizing that that uh, equation, right? The sixty percent or the ninety-seven percent or whatever it is. So that that's one of the reasons I'm I'm so bullish on you know the fanocracies, the super fans, the you know Jesse's new book. Um, I think it's it can't be overlooked. Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors. I'll bet you have ideas about how to improve the profession of architecture. NCARB wants to hear from you. Their ongoing analysis of practice study is your opportunity to shape the future of architecture. Share your experiences and your insights from working in architecture and tell NCARB what you wish they would do better. Your feedback is important because it will help guide changes to the national experience and examination programs for architects and it will impact what being a licensed architect could look like. Whether you're an architect or you work with architects, NCARB wants to hear from you. Make sure that your voice is heard. 
contribute to the analysis of practice study today. Sign up at incarb.org slash AOP. And now, let's get back to the conversation. The thing about being a fan is that I think fans are enthusiastic about whatever it is they're a fan of, right? So the enthusiasm just gives people um, a really beautiful energy, I think. And so it's kind of like a gift to allow people to become fans of something. So like Jesse's created this thing that makes a lot of people very happy, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. So <clears throat> when he has fans, it improves the lives of the fans. And so if we have fans or if we have fans, I guess they are excited about whatever it is we're doing, you know, so that brings joy to their lives. So it's a good, bringing more joy to the world is always a good uh, goal. If, you're talking about repeat clients and referrals. If someone has a, a, a bad experience or, or a, a bland experience, I guess it's going to be hard to, for them to be a fan of yours. That like in the sports world, the fans root for you. They, they really want you to succeed and, and uh, support you in a variety of ways. Sometimes it's by buying your tickets and other times it's just, you know, arguing, arguing with, people who are fans of the other team. But uh, I, I think uh, Jesse just got a lot of new fans today and uh, I'm one of them. How can we build fans? I think one way, one way would be to get involved in your community, right? And we talked about several ways on which we can get, which architects can get involved in their communities uh, this week during our, during our conversations. So. We also need to define community. I think community, uh, the pandemic has taught us, does not have to be limited to geographical boundaries. Well, who are you fans of besides Jesse? Who are we fans of and what does that mean to us? And so how can we get people to be fans of us? I guess if we think about what does that mean to be a fan? I think business related, I'm, I'm fans of people who have who I've learned from. Right. Who have inspired me. So I guess I guess my job would then be to inspire others. Right. First things that come to my mind while we've been talking about baseball. So I'm a fan of the Atlanta Braves. I'm originally from Atlanta. I grew up going to Braves games. Saw Hank Aaron hit. I saw Hank Aaron break uh, Babe Ruth's record. I was in the stadium to see that. That was that was a that was a uh, very influenced. Yeah, I was really young at the time, but I remember it. And that was a very influential um, thing in, in in my life as a as a kid. I'm a fan of Jerry Seinfeld. I like him. Mm, you are definitely a I fan am. of Jerry Seinfeld. I yeah. could have told you. Um, why? But well, why? I, I think. Yeah, why? Because he brings you a lot of enjoyment. Yeah. I think you really yeah. enjoy enjoyment him. and also also inspiration. You know, I I I like stand up. I love watching stand up and. You know, we could go way down that rabbit hole. But one of the reasons that I would name him first, Jerry Seinfeld first, is that I actually know about his process. And there's a documentary called uh, Comedian. Uh, but I not only know his work, you know, the, I've been to his shows and I've watched his TV show and all of those things. And comedians and cars getting coffee and all of that. But I've been to his shows when he's been on stage. But I know his process. I know how he works. Um, 
through, you know, I guess again, through content that he's created. So I think that's a big part of it. I mean, I could name off a whole bunch of comedians that I really like, but I don't, I don't have that. This may not be the right word. I don't have that same relationship with them as I do with, with Jerry Seinfeld. Um, I, so I, like, I, I think there's a lot of things. I like Jesse's uh, comments on personalization and whether it's writing a, a thank you card or calling up people when they buy tickets, that goes a long way. And that, that, you know, that also reminds me that's, that's a Pat Flynn concept as well. Um, and that, that is actually what made me a huge fan of Pat Flynn. Like I'd always followed him and his podcast and stuff like that. But one time I commented on a, a Twitter post and next thing I know, I got a personalized video message from Pat calling me by name. Hey, Chris, I looked at your website, uh, you know, great work on the sustainable design service. And it was like, Oh my God, Pat Flynn, like looked at my website and, and sent me a video message. And from that day forward, I was, you know, a fan of his, a big, huge fan of his. And so I guess I can architects do that. Um, I don't know, maybe if you have a social media following, you can and people commenting, but what can we do to personalize the experience? That's not usually personalized. I wonder if there's also something about, uh, how we are fans of sometimes, people that we want to be just for ourselves, that we don't want to be a fan of the same person or team that everybody's a fan of. So like, I, I like Richard Dreyfuss a lot. I think he's a great actor. I like his movies, but you know, th there's many other actors that are as good or better than him, but everybody's a fan of those. So I want to have, you know, just Richard Dreyfuss because there are not so many of us. You know, go back to what Chris was saying about personalization, you know, the writing notes as, as the example. And, and Jesse said it when we were talking to him, it's, it's not, it's not scalable. And that, that reminds me of Gary Vaynerchuk. Like Gary Vaynerchuk talks all the time about doing things that aren't scalable. And I, I could, when that was coming out of his mouth, I could, I could hear some people um, in the audience, you know, just imagine, not hear them. I don't always hear voices in my head, but I can imagine people in the audience saying, um, well, there, there's no way I can do that. Right. It, it takes too much time or whatever, but that's, that's actually the point, right? You're doing the unexpected. You're doing something that no, it's not scalable, but it's meaningful. Right. Someone, you know, there's been several examples thrown out here. They get a note or a video or, or whatever. It's meaningful to them in, in some way. And that, you know, I think that goes a long way. Right. That's, that's Jesse being and his, his team being very generous with their time. They don't have to write notes. They don't have to call people. They don't, they don't have to do any of those things. Because the last ticket that you bought for whatever it was, whether it was through Ticketmaster or Eventbrite or name your least favorite customer experience, almost guaranteed, right? In, in one of those services, you didn't get a note. You didn't get a video. You didn't get any of those things. But he and his team do that. And that I think that... I, I don't, I don't know what the formula is. I think these are just sort of examples or, or symptoms or whatever. But 
somehow if we add all of these things up, yeah, normal people can have fans. I think, quote unquote, normal architects can have fans. Um, you know, Chris, something you said reminded me. Um, I think even if you see something going on in your community that you have nothing to do with, right? There's somebody put on a play or somebody is building something that you didn't design or whatever, whatever that thing is, you could write somebody a note or send them a, a video or, you know, you could comment on it, reach out to them and say, congratulations, or I love what you're doing there or something. Uh, I, I think there's ways, things that we could do that really have nothing to do specifically with the work that's on, on the table at the time. Yeah. And especially if you, you know, start small, maybe just pick one a week or something like that. And then you time block it and habit stack it. Right. I have to send out my invoices. Actually. I loved his example of the invoice, like saying it's today's the day to pay. <laughs> that's just funny. Cause yeah, that is one of the friction points of, you know, having to pay your invoice and it's awkward and weird that you have to charge for what you like to do. At least that's the way I feel. So, um, yeah, so I was thinking that I get excited when people pay me. So why don't I tell them that I'm, you know, thank them. It doesn't even have to be a thank, uh, like a handwritten note, but even maybe just an email. Hey, I just got your check came in today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Just to let you know. I think. Uh, I appreciate your business. I, I don't think it was this morning. It may have been. Yeah, it, it had to be this morning when, uh, Jeff, you were talking about following up with people on how you were working with some companies and that a lot of the strategy was following up. And I think that is super important for one thing. The, the other is that while there's parts of our job uh, of the many hats that we wear as uh, sole proprietors that we don't like, like invoicing or doing the, the accounting kind of stuff. I hate that stuff. Unfortunately, I have very few clients, so I, I can still do it myself. But uh, listening to Jesse, it seems like it's something we should do as well because it's a personal thing. You know, if you delegate it to some uh, accounting firm or uh, to, to send all your invoices, it becomes not personal anymore. I, I want to get a grouchy architect invoice someday. I can send you one tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Why tomorrow there's still yeah. there's still a lot of hours left to this day uh, uh, yeah how much do you want me to send it for you know and along those same lines I, in a way it's kind of weird to be having this conversation about about accounting and invoices right i don't i don't think we normally think about that in terms of our client experience but it truly is and i'm, I'm with you Catherine. i love his example uh, today's your day to pay Entertain always, map the experience. So that first impression, when someone buys from us, you got, you got a video, you bought a merchandise and we send videos. And when you buy tickets, we get a whole video saying like, we're celebrating, we're literally celebrating. Um, when you buy from us, like a big group outing, you get, a, you get an invoice and it says, <laughs> congrats, today is your day. Today is the day you get to pay. You may think you've had days like this, the day you bought your first house, your first all-inclusive vacation, or the day you brought your first car, but nothing is quite like Bananas Payday. So pull out your check, credit card, rare coins, Bitcoin, and pay and make that payment like we know you can. This is your moment. Now seize it. Love, Jesse Cole. That's our invoice because, you know, we think an invoice is a friction point and a pay, every pay point is a pain point. 
How do you make your terms and conditions, your contracts, your invoices, how do you make them a little bit different than everyone else and don't follow the same form? That's a way to create a fan because fans aren't, customers aren't expected to, to love you on the invoices, their terms and conditions or your contracts. Maybe that's a way to make it a little different. Say, oh my God. One of the things that's popped into my head a lot this week because of the topics that we've talked about is that I've started using this uh, software tool, I guess, called Loom, L-O-O-M, Loom, which is all it is, is a super easy way to record videos. And and one of the things that you can do, and I think most people use it this way, is embed these videos into an email or in, any kind of message. And, you know, you could, you could put your invoicing together. So I'm thinking through this right now. I use uh, FreshBooks and I will automate that as much as I can. So, hey, if, if I've got a client and um, my, my fee is X and it's going to take uh, three months to complete this project, then every month they're going to get an invoice for one third X and it goes out automatically through FreshBooks, right? Um, I, I could do something right in the message about, you know, today's your day to pay to, to take uh, Jesse's thing. Um, but I could also, I'm sure I could figure out a way to automate this if I really wanted to, but I could, I could create one of those loom videos, 30 seconds, a minute, whatever long and say, uh, Hey, Christian, just, just got the notification that you, you paid the invoice. Um, just wanted you to know that I really appreciate you. I really love working on this project with you and, um, thanks for paying, you know, thanks for, for paying the invoice is probably a better way to say it, but that, that could be a 30 second loom video embedded into whatever form of communication that you want. That, that could be a nice personal touch. We'll start doing that as one of my atomic habits as of today. Because I think that's a great thing. You know, I usually tell people thanks for the check or whatever, but I think this brings it to a higher level. It all comes down to surprising and delighting, right? What what do you do or what can you do that's that's unexpected? And Catherine, you mentioned removing friction, which is a, a, a you know one of the uh, ideas in in Jesse's book, and I think that's. I think it's early in the book. He talks about, you know, what don't you like about the, he doesn't say it this way. I'm just going to translate it for architects. You know, what don't you like about the profession? What don't people like about the profession? How can we change that? You know, if the expectation of an architect is A, B, and C, and that's creating friction, I, I don't understand I'm not sure what I'm going to end up paying this architect, right? Because it's based on percentage of construction as, as an example, or I don't know what this means. And they talk about this, there's this phase in this. I don't even know what those words are. All, all these things that could be going through someone's head. Is it really that hard to change that? What he's talking about, what he's doing is outside of the norm for a lot of us, but it's really, in a way, it's not that hard. You know, everything he's talking about is easy. It doesn't mean it's simple, but it's, it's, it's easy. It's, it's a change of, change of mindset, change of approach, 
I, I think being being purposeful about everything is is part of it as well. You know, just thinking through all of these um, all of these different aspects of of his business, starting starting with um, I don't know if they call them customers or or what they call the the people that go to the the games. You know, in in architects language and fans, I suppose um, architects language clients but um uh, there there's so much there and i would i would encourage everybody right don't don't get scared off by this idea of the yellow tux right he's not telling you that you need to be flamboyant or over the top or wear something crazy or any of that right it's find your yellow tux uh, the name of the book is actually find your yellow tux how to be successful by standing out and if you're listening to this i challenge you right now to get that book and read it, it will be worth, uh, worth the time and whatever you have to invest. This episode of the Context and Clarity podcast is supported by InCarb. You have the power to influence the future of how architects are educated, trained, and licensed. Take the analysis of practice survey today. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you are so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week, and in the meantime... I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. <laughs> Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris. Owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, 
stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.